Welcome to the Bible Distilled. I am your host, Caleb Sprinkle, joined by my co-host, Ben Davey. This podcast will take a deep dive into the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. We hope this podcast will serve as a companion to you as you journey through the word with us. All right. All right. What's up, Ben? How's it going, man? I'm good, dude. I'm two co- cups of coffee in and no food. So. I am. I'm in the exact same boat. I did. I did uh, drink some granola though, uh, out of a solo cup for like breakfast. A, a parfait. Yeah. Or you just had granola? Just granola. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> so you know, that's weird. Uh, good good life decisions. But you know what? Let's uh, let's get into the text. Okay. <laughs> let's do that. We're right. um, yeah. We're starting. Genesis 12 with this guy, Abram, and uh, his, his family and, and this unique family, because we're, uh, we're left with a problem. And this is actually, this isn't the first time we hear of Abram. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we hear about him in Genesis 11, and we're left with this problem. What, what is that problem? Yeah, we saw it in the last episode. Um, God's plan is to fill the earth with worship. Uh, to, you know, it goes back to the command with Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. And then the first section of the Bible, which is Genesis 1 through 11, ends with the massive problem. Abraham or Abram chooses a wife who's barren and who can't do it. And so it's setting really God up to do an incredible work uh, to accomplish his purpose in the world through a man who really shouldn't be able to accomplish it. Yeah. Who can't have kids. Yeah, and so, you know, that leads to, you know, right into chapter 12. He chooses this man to be his partner, to partner with him, to accomplish his purpose. And, um, you know, I know one of the, the theological issues that arises out of this, it's an unpopular doctrine among many, is the <laughs> idea of election, of, of sovereign election. Mm-hmm. Um, but we see that here, and... And let's talk about it briefly, and yeah, and what deal is with it, it? Yeah, what does it mean? Why is it? Uh, I mean, how do we see it? Why is it a beautiful thing? What does it show us about God, Abraham? Yeah, well, just starting with how we see it, um, you know, we're we're left at the end of Genesis eleven with it, it like pretty much the whole world, right? Because it talks about the table of nations in Genesis ten, and that's kind of the summation of all of human existence. A lot of scholars think that that's anywhere from like hundreds of thousands of people um, that are on the world or on the earth at this time. And then, I mean, it it just, it is what it is. God comes as this one guy. Mm. Um, He says, Hey, I want to partner with you and your family. So, I mean, really that's, that's how we see it um, because it is just one man plucked from the earth. But I think, and this is where election, like the doctrine of election is really beautiful and hopeful to me um, because it's not this like, and this is really, really where the dangerous and almost kind of satanic side of it. It's like, you know, election is like for me only. Mm. And it's like, you know, now I'm like, I am special. Mm-hmm. I am like, um, now I'm a part of just this holy huddle and there's really nothing, but I'm just kind of waiting, whatever. But like, no, Abraham, well, Abram, uh, he is chosen for a purpose, mm-hmm. for a really special purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, 
to what reach the many. Mm-hmm. So the few become the many to reach the masses. It, it mm-hmm. is what God has been wanting to do from the beginning. Yeah. And so he is electing this man and his family um, because from you, Abram, will come the blessing to the rest of the world. This is how we're going to put the world back together. Right. Yeah. And, and, and Abram, too, just to, to highlight God's sovereignty in the choice is he's most likely a pagan idolater. Yeah. I mean, we don't, it's implied in the text, his dad's grandfather, they're idolaters. Um, it's implied that he is as well. We have no mm-hmm. indication that he followed God, Yahweh, that he obeyed him. Um, and so he's chosen despite his idolatry. Yeah. Um, he is living in the land of Babylon. He is living yeah. in a, amongst a people, and he's accepted as one of those people who are opposed to God. Yeah. And so you see this 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 plucking out of not just uh, hundreds of thousands of people, but uh, a, a family who's opposed to God. Probably even just his own beliefs are opposed to God. Yeah. And yet God chooses him to partner alongside of him. Well, I think the interpretation there that you're you're taking it, it's it's founded. Um, back at like the table of nations where we talk about how Nimrod, um, he creates all of these cities and all of these places and his name meant one who rebels. Yeah. Or, or I think you even said like everything he did was like purposely an affront. It was an affront to God. Yeah. To he was God. a hunter of men, you know, yeah. delighting in taking the lives of image bearers. Right. So there's this like now this tension throughout the narrative of scripture between those opposed and those who are with. And so Abram is from this land, um, Mm -hmm. this land who is um, this kind of empire type oppressing people, take what we want, do what we want. Um, And he's, and he's told like, Hey, leave everything, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's very personal too. He's like, leave your, leave your father's house. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, leave all the identity, everything that would have made you safe, you all, like your lifelines, like um, leave all of that um, and come and, and follow me. Right. And if you, I mean, we're going to talk more about his response too, because that is the interesting thing you see throughout scripture. You always have a juxtaposition of God's sovereign choice and then man's response mm-hmm. and responsibility to obey. And we see that here as well, which we're going to get to. Um, if you want more of a commentary, just for everyone who's listening, mm-hmm. on the the sovereign election of Abraham in this passage, or Abram in this passage, go to Romans 9. Yeah. <laughs> um, because Romans 9 is essentially a commentary on what is happening here in Genesis 12. And Paul even asked the question, is God like just for doing this? You know, is God just for just only choosing Abram mm-hmm. and not everybody else. Like, why would he just choose one man? And so, so Paul comments on that. We'll, we'll obviously dive into that theme more as passages arise, but, but again, it's for the purpose of God, right? Election is, it, it, it is, it is for this beautiful purpose of the few then reach the masses. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's always been God's purpose. So dive in, uh, a little bit on so this actual covenant that God makes with Abraham, like in the, in the text, there's like several I will statements. Well, Uh, this is one of the most, you know, important 
passages in the entire Bible. Yeah. And the rest of the Old Testament is going to be going back to this promise mm-hmm. over and over and over again. And so it's called the Abrahamic covenant or mm-hmm. God's covenant with Abraham or Abram. I keep calling him Abraham because I know eventually he, let's just call him Abraham. <laughs> you <laughs> so, do that. I'm going to call him Avram. But. Okay. Cause I just keep forgetting to call him Avram. Um, <laughs> So this promise uh, that God makes with Abram, um, there's seven I will statements. And these are promises that God is making to him. Uh, He says, I will show you the land. That's the first one. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And then finally, uh, in verse 7, he says, to your offspring... I will give this land. So this is the Abrahamic covenant. It's the first time God speaks in roughly 400 years. Between what? Like Noah and, and Abraham. And yeah. Abraham. Wow. Um, and, uh, and, and God had made this covenant with Noah, a uh, similar covenant. Uh, and then he had made a covenant with Adam in the garden. Um, this is how God works, and we're going to highlight that. So it's more an echo. Yeah, it's an echo. Of, it is an echo. Uh, all of these echoes to to Eden. Yeah, and and essentially what he's saying is, I want to be with my people. I want to be with you, and so I'm going to mm-hmm. give you a land that is an echo of Eden, and I'm going to dwell with you in that land. I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people, and there's going to be rest again in my presence. So that's really the core of this promise. Mm-hmm. Um, but the promise requires incredible sacrifice yeah. and it, like a really staggering amount of faith and, and in order for Abraham to actually experience it. So, yeah, um, I mean, imagine that like he, you know, cause I, I, I want to like, I want to look at Abram as like a, as a human character as well. It's like, I know in our society, like we're pretty transient and like going to like a new land or like, that's just what all the millennials want to do is just travel, you know, um, <laughs> it's just what we spend all our money on. But, yeah. uh, for, for Abram, like this was, this was significant. Um, God is basically saying, well, first of all, who is this God that is talking to me now? I, I, I don't, I don't know who this, this God is. Mm. Uh, but then this God breaks in and he's telling me to go to this land that I've never, I've never been to, um, to become this like wandering stranger almost. Yeah. Um, and the land he was leaving was incredible. Yeah. Ur was lush. Yeah. It was a port city, apple trees everywhere. Just great for growing crops. Mm-hmm. Great for raising livestock. Um, so comfortable, so luxurious. And God says, leave that. And just go wander around in the desert to a land that I'll tell you about at some point. <laughs> like, I'm not even going to tell you where you're going. Yeah. Just pack up and leave. Why would that have been significant to Abram that God is saying, you know, leave your leave your father's household and then come to this land that you've you've never been to? Like, what, what about that would have made that really significant? Yeah, well, there's so many things in, about that that are significant. Um I think first of all, you have um, a call of costly obedience, which mm-hmm. points us to uh, what Jesus is gonna eventually call all of his followers to, mm-hmm. which is a costly discipleship. Mm-hmm. He says, "If you would follow me, 
you've got to love me more than your family. Mm-hmm. You got to love me more than your father, your mother, your brothers, your sisters. You got to love me more than your money, uh, your career, and all of this stuff. And if you want to follow me, then it's going to cost you something. And so, the very first man that God is going to, you know, partner with in a, in a missiological way of, of blessing all of the nations, it's mm-hmm. going to require a costly obedience. Hmm. I think that's really significant because the same thing's required of us as well. Yeah. Um, you also have this principle of um, how we experience God in his presence, how we grow mm. in our knowledge of God. When I mean knowledge, I don't mean like book smarts. I mean experiential, tangible, right. yeah. real um, uh, experience of him. Um, so, the, the principle throughout the Old Testament, and we see it here as well, is God works in us, and we experience God's presence as we walk in faith, mm-hmm. as we take steps of faith. And walking in faith means obeying a clear call of God, even if we don't know how it's going to turn out, mm-hmm. um, even if it doesn't seem to make sense in the moment, even if it means giving up everything we cherish and value. So when we obey, when we take that step of obedience in faith, we, expe- we have to experience God because if he doesn't come through on his promise, we fall flat on our faces. Hmm. So we, we saw this with Noah. He says, Noah, I want you to build a, a boat. What's a boat? Yeah. It's this thing that... <laughs> What's rain? <laughs> it's this thing that's going to save you from rain whenever the rain falls. What's rain? Right. It's the stuff that falls out of clouds. What, what, what are you talking about? So it, it's a clear call. Yeah. Oh, do this, Noah. To a complete unknown. To a complete unknown. Yeah. So, so there's a it's a it's a obedience and faith. And but as Noah obeyed, what did God do? He revealed Himself. Mm. So, what did that do for Noah? Well, now Noah has experienced God in a way that he would have never experienced if he had all the answers, if the lights were always on, and if he could see how it was all going to play out. Mm. And so that's what's happening with Abram, and that's what happens with us as well. God mm-hmm. gives us clear calls, clear commands that sometimes we don't really know how it's going to play out. Yeah. Um, so that's another significant thing. But well, then when you think of, I'm sorry, man, you, let me uh, just give whatever. you one more yeah, thing yeah, to answer yeah. your question. Fly ahead. Because <laughs> I'm answering your question in like the longest way possible. And I apologize because no, you're, you're doing, like chomping you're at the bit right now. Great. I'm going to just drink uh, <laughs> so, some coffee, Bible distilled. Finally, finally, to answer your question, Why is this significant that he's telling him to go to this unknown land? Well, we know that the land is Canaan. And maybe you can pick up on that since I know you're chomping at the bit anyways. But why is that actually what I was about to bring up? If you had given me a chance, I would have set you. I would have just teased you right up. Lesson of patience. (laughs) Yeah. um, First time we're told of Canaan is when Noah curses his son. Well, he doesn't curse his son, but he curses his son's son, Mm. um, Canaan. So we are given this like immediate, almost application, but like the curse is already happening of like, Hey, these, these people are going to hate you. Um, now Abram go to this place that everybody's going to hate you. They have all their own gods. Um, and I want you to essentially make almost like a, like an altar, like a fortress for my name, like here, um, man, that like, that would have been horrifying. And it's almost laughable because it's like you have this concentration of evil, um, Mm -hmm. 
within this land. Cause I mean, you were, you were talking about this before we, we hopped on this. Like they, it's not like God is calling Abram to a place where nobody's there. Yeah. Like he's calling him to a place where they're, are a ton of people there that don't want him there mm-hmm. um, and are very opposed to him. Um, and he's saying within that space, Abram, I'm going to work in you and you're going to bless the nations. Mm-hmm. Like that's what an application for mission. I think mm-hmm. just for today, because like when I, when I talk to people, why they're like afraid to live on mission and carry the gospel um, to an evil world. It's like, well, it's just, it's like me versus all my coworkers or mm-hmm. it's like me versus just all, all of the evil and wickedness that's in the world. I'm like, yeah, kind of, but it, but it's also like God in you mm-hmm. and like God always, always, always. I mean, throughout the entire narrative, we just see this, theme of God uses just a few people, hmm. his disciples. He, he, he says like, I, I mean, just had what, like 12 dudes, 11 in the end. Um, <laughs> and then by Acts 17, we see who are these men that have turned the world upside down? Right. Just this few people that become the many, um, to reach the masses. And that's how God was his purpose in his covenant is I'm going to use your family to reach all these other families that are against you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think like just to piggyback off that a little bit more thinking about living in exile where we feel like more and more as Christians in America, 21st century, we're not in Christendom anymore. We're not in Kansas anymore, you know, like it's, it's becoming more and more foreign where it feels like we're foreigners. Mm -hmm. We actually feel our exile. Whereas I would say, you know, 30 years ago, we didn't feel it as much, even though we were still exiles. We didn't, we didn't feel like it. So Abraham is called to be an exile. Um, He's called to live in this land that's occupied by exceedingly wicked and violent people. Mm-hmm. And as we go throughout the rest of the Old Testament, these are the same people who are going to be at war with Israel for mm. centuries. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like it, still. Yeah, it's yeah. still, exactly. So then I guess like, you know, the big question and the principle is how could, how could Abraham live in exile and succeed? Because he succeeded. Right. He grew stronger. Um, he thrived in this land. And, yeah. and I think we get this, um, this in the text. We get this principle and this, this really cool truth. Uh, in verse 7, the Lord appeared to Aram. Um, so how was he successful? Well, um, he was in Canaan, surrounded by the presence of these evil, wicked, violent people. And yet, once he got into Canaan, God appeared to him. And so there's this so picture obeyed. of, yeah, yeah, he obeyed, but then like the presence of God was with him. And that's what this, this picture is, is the presence of evil is surrounding him, but the presence of God is greater. And, and mm-hmm. it's so much greater that it, it gives him a confidence. It gives him a boldness to actually obey. And so what he does is he builds an altar hmm. and, and you know, altars are very common you know, back then. They're, they would build altars to their gods. So in Canaan, there were altars everywhere to all mm-hmm. of these false gods. Um, and, and essentially what Abram's doing is he's experienced the presence of God in the midst of this evil people, and he builds an altar as if to claim the land for his God. Right. To say, like, 
we're, we're, we're coming in and the true and living God is here now. Um, it's as if he's putting the Canaanites on notice that Yahweh's in town. Um, and so I think for us, there's this, um, the principle is, is the same. Um, we're surrounded by more and more people who are antagonistic to Mm. the gospel. We're, we're finding, you know, either apathy towards truth or just real, um, opposition to it. Mm. And like you had mentioned, it, it, it causes a lot of us to just feel this sense of fear and dread and let's just hide. Hmm. Um, but as we walk with God, we experience his presence. And once we experience his presence, we realize that his presence is greater than the presence of evil around us. Mm-hmm. And so it enables us to take a stand. It enables us to build an altar and say, hey, I'm just putting you on notice. God's in your neighborhood. Yeah, like he's here and he's going to do something. He's going to work. And I think it just, you know, going back, we've talked about this a lot before, but I'm going to butcher this. But like there's always blessing out of obedience. Mm. You know, how, what, what's that statement you make? There's like at the end of. Yeah. Blessing always comes on the other side of obedience. Right. Yeah. And the blessing is the presence. It is. Of that's God. Always the, that's always the blessing. It's Be- the presence of God. Because when he's saying come to this land, he's saying come like come dwell with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and just from a like canonical stance, like or standpoint, like you know, we've seen a lot of this, like they went East, they went further East and, and, mm-hmm. and further and further away. And like, basically what that means is like, they're, they're running further and further away from the presence of God. And God is calling Abram, like West mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, he's saying, come back to this place. Um, it's full of evil, but like from here, um, I'm going to work through you to fulfill what I've wanted from humanity and from the beginning. And it's to be fruitful and to multiply and to mm-hmm. fill the earth, um, with the glory of God. So like they're just within Genesis itself, it's this amazing call, um, to fulfill the purpose that God has wanted from the beginning. final thought or would you have any yeah more I was just thinking about like if there's you know some some application for you know what was what was Abraham's salvation based on it was his faith yeah you know you have like it's really important all of these um New Testament passages that point back to Abraham it's you know you have Hebrews the hall of faith and Hebrews 11 um he believed God yeah and that was counted to him as righteousness. Right. And so I think there's a challenge for us to, when we hear the call of God to believe him, and I, I just want to keep hammering this home because I think, I, well, I know I'm really bad at justifying my own unbelief. Mm. And uh, usually it's related to calls that are uncomfortable. Um, but if we want to experience like, what it really means to live mm-hmm. like life in Christ is life with Christ. Uh, it's in his presence. It's a, it's a daily enjoyment of his presence. Like da- David talked about just delighting in him at his side are rivers of delights. Yeah. And it's just this, um, enjoyment of being with him. Um, 
we have to believe him. Yeah. And, and it's, and yeah. it's important. Like just, I know, I know you weren't saying this, but just to like be clear, like there is nothing about Abram that made him like noteworthy to be chosen, exactly. I guess. Like, cause I mean, we're going to literally see in the next story <laughs> next week that he just immediately <laughs> drops the ball and like just prostitutes out his wife. Like, it's, yeah. I mean, this dude was not, like he's not the hero, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about that with Noah. Like Noah was not, um, he was not the hero. But mm-hmm. I think what's significant, even in their sin, there is repentance. Mm-hmm. There is this like, f- like there is a faith. Yeah, like there's an immediate like, yeah, I trust you, God. Mm-hmm. But then there's this consistency in confessing and repenting and turning back. Mm-hmm. Um, like David, I mean, man, he's the like he's the guy that we just he's the hero that we slam all Mm. the time. Right. But like there is, and there's consequences to that sin, but there is also this like just genuine sorrow and repentance, um, this turning back towards God that those have to go together um, hand in hand. hundred percent, man. And I think when it comes to the final thoughts, um, I'll let you uh, conclude with the, with Jesus. Um, But I think ultimately God is the hero. And -hmm. then finally Jesus yeah. Uh, the man Christ Jesus is the hero. And I think God is the hero in this. And we're going to see this yeah. even next week. And that this covenant and all of the promises, all of these I will statements are unconditional. Right. So God already knows that Abram's going to fall. Yeah. He already knows that he's going to prostitute out his wife. He already yeah. knows he's going to fail like time and time again. It's crazy. Yeah. And yet he makes these promises. And, and eventually, like later on, we're going to see he ratifies them. Hmm. And, and so we'll talk more about it then, but we sing this song all the time. He will hold me fast. Hmm. Um, we see that in this passage, God is the one who's going to hold Abram, even if Abram doesn't hold on to God. Hmm. So there's a sense that yes, we confess and yes, we repent, but our security isn't even based on that. Our security is based on the fact that God has promised us all things in Christ Mm -hmm. and and he's going to he's going to carry them out. He his all of his promises are mm-hmm. yes and amen every single time. So he's the hero in this story that we're going to see over and over again. Yeah. Ultimately though it's about Jesus. So why don't you bring us to that and then we can bring it to a close. Yeah, so covenants are are so important um just for the rest of the the storyline. Um so I mean at first we see uh, the covenant that's given to Adam and Eve. Um, and, and really, let me let me explain, like, or in a simple, I guess, definition. So a covenant um, that we see in Scripture, it is a partnership. Um, there are promises made, and then there's, like, this overall, like, commitments from the parties to work towards this common goal. Mm-hmm. So, like, this wasn't, like, a... This wasn't a new thing that God was doing with with Abram like these are these happened all throughout the ancient Near East um, like there and there's all sorts of different covenants um, that I'm not going to get that much into but but basically it was a partnership mm-hmm. and we're working towards something together and so what makes this really unique though is that God makes a partnership with humanity in Genesis 1 they blow it right now he's like okay so then we get to Noah he makes a covenant with Noah saying like I'm not going to destroy the world again there this world is is going to <laughs> stay intact in some extent so that we can work together to, to put it back together um, Noah he drops the ball again then we get to 
um, Abraham and the covenant with Abraham is that um, from you would come a people that would bless the nations. We say Abraham fall. Um, he gives a covenant to the nation of Israel, uh, Mount Sinai, with the Ten Commandments. Literally, as he's given the Ten Commandments, they're like falling apart, worshiping this golden calf. Um, so they, they blow it on that. Then he gives a covenant to David. He says, from David, the line of David would come this royal son, this king whose kingdom would last forever. Mm-hmm. It would be a kingdom of justice. It would be a kingdom of flourishing, um, all of these things. And so like David's like, oh, man, that's amazing. But then he drops the ball, right? So we're just left with all of these like promises that God makes and commitments that we can't keep. Mm. Um, and like, so how then is God going to do that, right? Mm. So, like, the only hope for us is that someone would have to come and do this. Mm. Somebody would have to come and be from the line of Abraham, Mm. from the family of Abraham. He would have to be an Israelite, Mm -hmm. um, and he'd have to be this royal blood from King David, and we see all of that fulfilled in Christ. Mm Christ is from um, the, 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 the tribe of Abraham. He is an Israelite who fully obeyed the law of God. Mm. Um, and he's the royal son directly from David. But more so, he's God because only God could fully obey God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so as you said, all of the promises of God are fulfilled in Christ. Um, they're yes and they're amen. Um, and that is really, that's where we see that man can have a relationship with God again. Mm. And this partnership can exist. And, and what do we see? He says, now go. Mm. Now go and make disciples of all nations. So I have chosen you. Mm. Um, and now your responsibility, should you accept it, <laughs> um, <laughs> is to go um, and bless the nations. It's the same thing yeah. all throughout Scripture. And we can finally do this partnership and a secure relationship with God because of Christ, yeah. the one who actually fulfilled all covenants. So that's, um, yeah, that's the meta, I guess, narrative that's uh, good. of why this is so important. Genesis 12, um, one through three. So any final, any other final thoughts? Yeah. Be encouraged as you walk in faith. Um, uh, you don't just have to look forward to hoping that God's presence is going to be, you know, at the end of the journey, but he's actually given us his spirit to live inside of us. We have Christ in us. Um, he speaks constantly through his word. And so, uh, we actually have an even greater advantage than any Abram or David or anyone in the Old Testament. So as you walk in faith, as you trust and obey, um, uh, be rest assured that he's with you and that he'll never leave you, never forsake you. Um, and let's go do it. Cool. So, yep. Now we're, we're full into this family and we're going to see how God works among this dysfunctional family to bring about uh, his purposes. So we'll continue with uh, the story of Abram. Awesome. Next week. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks. See you. See you then.